Welcome to CTO Think, a podcast about leadership, product development, and tech decisions between two recovering chief technology officers. Here are your hosts, Don Vandemark and Randy Burgess. Hey, Randy. What's going on this week? Oh, let's see. I am signed up. I guess as of yesterday, I'm signed up for two speaking engagements um, for the end of January, early February, which is kind cool. of kind of new. Like I've you know I've done the teaching thing before, but I really, for whatever reason, I never did meetups that much. Never did conference talks. Just never. Uh, it had a lot to do with anxiety of how much I would think about having to work on it um, or being in front of a group talking. It was always just like this kind of in the back of my mind dread. So by not scheduling it, <laughs> I wasn't going to worry about it. <laughs> of course. And I, I think a lot of people that have seen me talk in front of a group like the students and stuff would be like, what are you talking about? But, you know, anxiety, anxiety is anxiety. And if you if it shows up in the back of your mind, you work around it um, or yeah. avoid that altogether. But, you know, I think after teaching, I've kind of removed a lot of that anxiety you know, six months in front of a group of people that look like they're bored off their butts most of the time mm-hmm. because they're focusing, not because you're boring them, or at least not most of the time. You get over some of that anxiety mm-hmm. because you just got a job to do. So <clears throat> now my, I would say that if anything, I'm really more focused on how do I deliver the right amount of information in the right amount of time so that it makes sense to the audience. And I like that anxiety way better than, oh, my God, I got to talk in front of people kind of anxiety. So right. that's uh, so anyway, one talk will be on um, it's a very basic. We talked about this before the tech yeah. managed meetup and it will be front end and back end explained, which is a very basic concept. But a lot of people don't understand it. So um, I'm just going to you know, introduce those two topics or that topic and try to explain where along the stacks and how apps are built back in and front end exists. And then the other is for a conference called KC DevFest. And I'm going to be speaking about Firebase authentication and how that particular feature of Firebase can be utilized um, to the benefit of people producing apps. So that's well, that's cool. what I signed up this week for. Cool. Yeah, I had forwarded you a, uh, an article on that somebody had pointed out about uh, all the great speakers coming out of KC. So I think you moving to KC, there must be something in the water that made you want to come out <laughs> and be a speaker. So. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Or, or I just, I just came, I thought I was going into a small pond and it's really full of speaking fish. And now I'm like, oh, I'm not going to bring anything new to the table, but we'll see. No, you'll be, you'll bring plenty new. That's for sure. <laughs> um, on, on my side. So I think we've talked in the past. Um, we're, we're really trying we, for, for Aspire EDU, we've got, um, We've talked about it in the past where I, I'm filling out security questionnaires as part of the standard part of the sales cycle. Um, when, whenever a client is getting close, they'll send their security questionnaire over. I'll go through it, answer it. Um, 
really no issues with answering whatever's in there. We, I even had one client who wanted to have a conversation about some of the answers I put in there. Um, we yeah. had a conversation and they turned around and said, okay, we're good. Uh, we, we agree. We, we accept ex- uh, everything you said. And, and they had one suggestion that we, uh, that we actually implemented as well. So it was a good back and forth. Um, so that's where we're headed this, uh, this year. Uh, that's, that's a lot of my focus, at least in the first part of this year is I go through those questionnaires and I answer them with everything I know, uh, everything, the way we're doing things. But I also know that we're not, um, there are certain conventions that say a SOC two is looking for. There are certain controls that that are that are expected. And while we have things covered, we don't necessarily have all the SOC two controls, or, or or necessarily have them as well defined. I guess is the better way to put it, as well documented as those um, those standards require. So yeah. Um, it's a lot easier for us to answer those security questionnaires um, and and a lot quicker, actually, for the other side to process it if we actually have a security, I'm sorry, a SOC 2 designation um, that, that we've done it and that we have, we passed the, the uh, certification for it. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they can accept that, okay, you're SOC 2, then we're good. Um, because that that that's just the standard. So there are steps to take, and had a conference call with uh, with a company uh, earlier this week on on how we go through that. We go through the pre assessment, figure out where we might want to um, tighten down some things, and then we go through the assessment. So it'll be uh, it'll be something we'll be really ramping up to in the second quarter. But I feel real good that here in the first part of January, we're already on that road. Um, cool. I feel like we're, 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 we're going, um, it's not cheap. Um, it's tens of thousands of dollars to get it done. Yeah. Um, and that's a bargain compared to an ISO certification, um, which is in the hundreds of thousands of dollars, um, which for a company, our size, that's, that's, it, it's just untenable. It's nothing we can actually do. Um, yeah, you don't stay in business, um, at our size, having to spend that much on certification. So, um, so that brings us to our topic for today, which is not about security. Um, even <laughs> though I just spent the last five minutes talking about security. Um, the reason we got here was that this was something I'd put in my mind that this was what we were going to handle in 2019, that, that I was starting to see enough, um, enough times when this had popped up that I was like, this is something we need to address. So what I wanted to talk about today was long-term planning, um, road mapping, um, not, not talking specifically about sprints and, and what are we going to handle this sprint and length of sprints and things like that more here at the beginning of 2019, how do you plan long-term? Um, yeah, because we've got in, in our, in our, we use GitHub issues, um, as our road mapping tool, essentially, um, 
And we've got, I want to say a hundred or so, um, open things that we've documented that these are, these aren't necessarily bugs, but they're improvements, um, that we want to do to our system. They're enhancements, um, in right. Shockingly enough right now, we don't have one that's like a brand new cool feature that everybody will love. We normally have those, um, every year and we usually try and get them out by our July conference with uh, canvas. Um, but we don't have one of those this year. So that's actually uh, that's actually a good thing. It, it might allow us to focus on the back end stuff that we've been talking about, and that that's again another example of a long term plan. Um, so how do we? What's the best way to go about long term planning, and how do you determine when you have to actually pull the trigger on on those? So I'll, yeah. I'll go over a couple of examples on my on my side, and I, I've given a couple here. We'll just dive a little deeper into them and, and see what you think. Um, so, so one example is we talked about the back end stuff that, that, um, that we've been doing as far as splitting the database out. Um, yeah. And that's been, that's been on the books as a thing to do probably for 18 or more months. Um, and we just got to it about six months ago. So it was on the books for at least a year. Um, and, and really, in my mind, it, it's been something lingering for longer than that. There's always been this thought of, are we better served with smaller databases, um, multiple smaller databases than a single one? Uh, yeah. But the impetus, it, it's a question of when do you pull the trigger on, on these long-term plans? These things that are... are bugging you these things that that just in the back of your head you always think about um when do you pull the trigger on it we the the reason we pulled the trigger on on this on that one the start of it was we knew we were coming up on another fall cycle which is when our largest um volume activity volume is yeah and and we've always hit um thresholds within the database um, when we go to that activity volume and, and um, performance goes down. Uh, I didn't want that to happen this year because I had, a, I had just a bad feeling that we had reached the threshold of what we could tweak and we were beyond tweaking and we needed to get to um, actually addressing the issue. So, so that actually pushed us into going. Go ahead. Well, so, I mean, you're kind of detailing the the choice now. I mean... You, you take as a manager, you take a look at all of your issues, the issue queue, the project list, the long term and short term needs. And you say, based on our annual business cycle, which of these like I think first you say, what, what has the best highest ROI in terms of if we make these changes, do we receive revenue as a result? That's one driving right. factor. The other one is maybe pay down debt, technical debt. Sure. Does this does this get us into a more maintainable long-term kind of space? Does this get us out of a security hole that our tech has been um, dug into because of lack of updates? Um, does this 
give us, does this put us on, like, let's say <clears throat> if you truly used Elasticsearch 6.0 for the last um, five years, you could sit on version six for a long time and get the same amount of service. But Elastic 10 or 11 or whatever it is now is now out, which means you're not going to be able to get any of those benefits of the ongoing code base. Plus, it's going to do end of life for security issues. So in a way, you're looking at a risk for not updating, even though sitting on that same version could probably give you the same amount of user experience um, without any change. So you have to make, right. you're kind of looking at those, you know, um, people in the facilities business, like that deal with seasonal business, usually will sh can sometimes shut down for a whole month based on when they're busy and they just do, you know, infrastructure updates um, because they have like January is a slow month. We, we obviously in the software business can't do it that well, but you, we could, because of the ability to fork applications and work on things without affecting the user, um, the use case of the app in production, we, it's really a matter of where do I focus my developers and contractors? What do I have them doing? So right. again, ROI is a big question of how how many bonus points do I get on the revenue side for tackling these issues immediately? How much debt do I pay, get paid down? The other one is political, I think. Um, almost all managers at the end of the day answer to an executive team or peers um, or a boss, and they want to see progress being made. They, they, want, they don't know what you're doing. They don't know how you do it. They don't know what your team is doing. They just know they aren't seeing change. They hate change, but they want to see that their money is being spent and things are changing. So I think you're always, there's a political side of how do we show we're making progress? And there's nothing less sexy in the software world or product world than infrastructure changes that no one knows are going on. So you always right. have to balance sure. that too. Um, buzzword. I will say, hey, I will say as far as that goes though, they don't see the infrastructure changes a lot, but once we made this change, I can tell you that we did get comments about it being a very smooth fall. Um, that, that nobody saw some of the performance that, that maybe they experienced in the past. So those are the nice ones when when you can do something on the back end and it's even seen on the front end. But that's a but that's the, kind of my point. The ROI wasn't just revenue; it was um, social credibility with the user base, with the management team, because they sure. were had experienced pain on some level of the, the app, and your change reduced the need for the support calls. Um, I, that's another aspect too. If you have a support team around your product and you know that a huge chunk of their time is spent on specific things by far, like that is being able to reduce costs on the support side or time used or just reduce repetitive, um, 
like repetitive issues is another reason to tackle things a certain way. Now, I don't know if I'm jumping into the wrong category or wrong discussion thread at the moment, but my other question for you is when you introduce goals to your team, do you also run the risk of raising their anxiety around how are we going to get all this done? Because some people accept a list of new goals as more work to do that's impossible to finish versus look at all the great stuff we're going to do. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And I think the way we handled it was um, pretty much break it down. Here's the goal. Here's 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 the long term goal. Here's the great vision, the grand vision. Right. Um, Here's where we want to be in the future, wherever that is. But to get to that grand vision, here are the things, specific things we're going to do. And it was actually a conversation with the, the, the developers on how are we going to get there? What phases do we want to go through to get there? Because we can't go from zero to 100. So how do we, yeah. how do we get to 100? And by involving them in the process um, of, of um, deciding how we were going to approach it, they had been with us long enough that they understood that if we map it out, um, we'll go through and we'll do the, the, the really important ones. The rest of them will, will join the issue queue and then we'll sit there and we'll prioritize as we go. Um, and, and if we don't get at, it's one of those things where I try not to say we're going to do X by Y date. Um, yeah. Every time, regardless of company, regardless of, um, people involved, regardless of manager, uh, regardless of anything is the point I'm trying to make. Every time it's happened that I've, that, that, that I've been involved in a project that said we have to do X by Y date. It's taken last minute work up to Y date to complete it. Yeah. And that to me is the work filling the space available. Um, because uh, it's, 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 it's not perfect planning or else we wouldn't have had uh, last minute rush work at the end to get there. I get, I just get the feeling that when that happened, when, when you do that to that degree, and we've had to do it when you do it to that degree, that becomes the focus. And I agree with your, your, point earlier is there was some anxiety that if we have to finish this by this, uh, how are we going to do that? And what do we have to ignore in the meantime? Yeah. Um, and, and that, that end date became such a, such a hard knot that that's what the goal was, even though it would have been great for the goal to have been a month. And I, I've even tried so we have a, an, an annual conference, and I, I mentioned it earlier, we have an annual conference we go to, um, and usually we have a new feature, a, a new significant feature or a new product that we release right before then. And every time it's been, it gets done right at the, that date, or we get it done enough 
to show it and we end up finishing it, you know, over the next week or two. Um, I even tried once moving that date back a a month saying, okay, we've got to get this done by, by the end of June so that we're ready for, but here's my mistake is I said, we got to get done by the end of June so that we're ready for the conference in July. Well, that just said that this June date was arbitrary that yeah. the July date's really the date. So we we just pushed right past that June, June deadline <laughs> and we worked right up until the conference in July. So yeah. it, it, it's, I don't think there's a good, it, sometimes you can't, a lot of times you can't avoid it. You have to say we have to do X by Y date. But I have not yet found a good answer for how do we make sure that doesn't in turn into that the work filling up the space up until that date. Um, and again, that's not just at, at here. That's at every job I've done, every project I manage when there's been a hard date, I haven't seen it to where it finishes ahead of time. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, I, I don't think people are incentivized to meet deadlines other than, there's a, in theory, there's going to be a crackdown from management if you miss it. But when people realize there's no other than maybe disdain from management, if when people don't see an actual side effect of it, then it typically doesn't matter to the team. If no one like if people get fired, that is was a disincentive. Um, the you know, unless there is some type of, hey, there's a bonus here for getting done, you're going to get paid a t- like mm-hmm. more money. Um, like if you're an employee and you have a manager and the manager gets a bonus for finishing on a certain date, if, if they don't pass it down, there's really no incentive for you to work harder. Um, sometimes, though, you have like if you work for an education system, sometimes you or let's say a sports base, like sports leagues are based on start dates of the season. So seasonal businesses or structured schedule businesses or organizations like education obviously do have um, deadlines. You know, Apple, um, I've talked to people that work for Apple and they basically have hard deadlines because of their deployment cycle. And what we see in, in September as, hey, they released the new o, like operating system. Man, they were done in June. Like they delivered all of their fe- add, like added features by June. And so I think what the workforce at Apple looks at is if I don't complete these features by June, then I have to answer to having not delivered for the next six months <laughs> or a year, right. um, which is why, which is why stuff like maps got pushed out uh, at least a year ahead of its time. So there's all sorts of um, side effects of missed deadlines, but in a lot of cases uh, it, there's not enough reason. Like you said, they're false deadlines and, it doesn't really ring true. Like, why are you making that day? Why is it arbitrary? And I think that companies 
that need, if they set a goal and they have a deadline, if people understand why, then, or like make it so that there's meaning behind it, that is, that will be more meaningful to the people working on the stuff. Um, sure. I think, I think the other, the other part that I've seen where I under, where someone said, Hey, here's a hard deadline. And I thought it was arbitrary, but when the manager started reducing scope to make the deadline work, it actually showed me that, that this deadline mattered. So if you have a team that's racing on a project towards a deadline, a goal, and as you get closer, you everyone realizes we're not going to complete all of this by the deadline. Our estimates were wrong, and that's very much usually the case, that estimates aren't perfect. If the management team isn't willing to concede that certain things will have to be delivered later, and we still need to get something launched by a deadline, it tells you that we're not all into this together, that the management team isn't willing to compromise as we focus on other things. So I think it's important if you set a, a deadline and there's a reason behind it, that the management team also has on their side, in their mind, what is the first trade-off we're going to likely have to make if we get behind, if the estimates are wrong? And if you don't show willingness to adjust as a manager, the people below you will feel like you're just kind of pushing them into a hard wall instead of actually working with them to make to meet what was supposed to be a meaningful deadline. Um that's all I got on that one. Yeah, no, the, um, fortunately that's something I think we've been pretty decent about is, um, as we get closer and we see, we're not gonna, we're not necessarily going to make it. We'll reduce, we'll reduce scope, push it to later. Um, I, I think we've done that well. So I, I feel, I feel pretty good that we are we're, we're there. Um, and then the the issues, the, the the remaining things go in the issue log, and we get to them when we get to them. And the reason the reason we do that is that the team's not working a hundred percent on that one thing until that deadline. Yeah, um, there are other things that come in and interrupt work. So it's always a, a, a give and take of here's here's the set we want. But then we have to go handle some business function for something else we need to add or we have a bug we need to fix and that takes away from that time. So, so um, that could ask, be a reason why why it fills up the available space, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So then let me ask about like big companies work on campaigns like the, our government works on campaigns whether or not you agree with the politics projects in government usually have a campaign or a brand around what they're trying to get done, whether it's healthcare reform, um, modifications to immigration. Like there's always some kind of theme around the government pushing for major changes. And so in a big company, big projects also usually get branded. That's what, I mean, the, the, at the very top, they're pushing forward initiatives with some, like overall, we need every, all hands on deck to get this big project done. So at the smaller level, when you set forth this goal of 
changing how your multi-tenant application was um, using utilizing databases, how much of the company understood the investment going on? Did every executive understand it? Um, did every executive buy into it and talk about it? Or was it strictly you telling the developer, hey, this is important. Hey, this is important. So how are you, I guess, how do you reinforce the importance of the goals you're setting forth? Because if you start in January and go, these are all the things we want to do all year. And then you don't hear about it until June. Hey, we still want to get these done. That doesn't really, that's not a goal. That's not an initiative. That's just a list of tasks. So my question is, what do you do to amongst the th- you just mentioned it? You have uh, the team has other things going on. There's other like there's other high priority like risk loaded issues that need to be fixed. There are um, clients that ask for some new thing, and they are a high priority client, and they get a priority. How do you keep the goals strong? even when the distractions are coming in and you need the entire company to be bought into, Hey, we need to divert distractions to get this goal done. Yeah. Um, it, it, you, uh, at the end of the day, yes, we, we, you eventually, and this, this is again, one of those things about it being there sitting on the back burner for a while. Right. Um, is I think that's part of it is if it's there on the back burner for a while and it comes up in conversation every once in a while and you, you're getting people f- comfortable um, with the concept, um, then when you go to actually turn on the jets to go do it, um, everybody is kind of bought into the concept because you've been selling it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, just a, a couple of more examples of, of things that we could do. We don't have to do, but it, again, it's one of those things that I'm sitting here and it's in my head is, uh, redesigns of, of the application and redesign of our marketing site. Um, mm-hmm. our marketing site sits on WordPress, which is just fine. Um, but it also has had the same look and feel for probably four years now. Yeah. Um, when, and, and that it's starting, it's starting to become one of those things that's just nagging at me in the back of my head that do we stay where we are? Uh, are we able to, um, should we go ahead and go for a new look? If we go for a new look, do we go to, um, do we go to Gatsby or some static site instead of WordPress? We're not using WordPress for what it is. We use yeah. WordPress as a site builder um, and, and as an easy way to get content in. Well, you know what? Tools have changed. Um, Gatsby can give us exactly what WordPress gives us for, for a lot less complexity, I think. Um, and, and a lot less, um, I won't say security risk, but a static site's a static site. It's it's yeah. a lot more um, closed down than dynamic is. Uh, and then on the other side, the application itself looks great, easy to use, 
but it's looked the same way for five years. Yeah. Okay. It's got no new design concepts in it. Now, none of that, none of anything I just said, we have, as far as I know, we have not had a single client come to us and say, boy, that looks dated or wow, nothing's really changed. You've had some content, but nothing's really changed. We've, we've never really gotten that from clients. Yeah. But that's uh, to me, that's not the thing you get from clients. It's more of a, they feel it's getting old. Um, yeah, yeah. It's and, like, and, and it's like your paint choice for your living room. Yeah. No one ever, never, no one ever walks in your house and go, wow, that color green you chose back in 1990 sure looks dated. They don't tell that to your face. And they probably aren't going to sit in that room long enough to care. But if you paint it white or paint it beige or something, they walk in and it's different. They're like, wow, nice change. It lightens up the room, you know? So yeah, it's the I, same, it's, a, sure. it's the same idea there. If it looks dated and it doesn't work, they've always hated the design. <laughs> yeah, no question. So it, it's the, the two are different. Um, the marketing site, my, my motivations there are one, get off WordPress, get to, get, get to something, a more static site. Um, mainly that's because my, my, I'm responsible for the marketing site. Our developers aren't really responsible for it. I am. Um, and my knowledge base has gone from PHP to JavaScript. Um, so it's maintainability would be a lot easier if we moved it. If you were to rewind to 2018, beginning of 2018, and you were to be talking to your boss and you said, okay, I've got two goals in the back of my mind on the tech side, a revamping of the website and a re in or splitting out the databases um, on the back end. I, I, I can't speak for your boss, but my, my guess is that they would have more of an immediate draw to the let's revamp the look of the site because the database stuff they never look at. That's often what the, the challenge that a tech manager often has is that changes on the front end interface are, are changes that people can see, especially at non-technical executive level. And so they buy into those types of programs faster than they do. Hey, we need to fix the warehouses. We need to fix the our shipping system. We need to fix our databases. Now that depends a lot on how much the executive team is paying attention to issue queues and um, pain points and delivery. But how, like, where do you go with those types of goals? How are you able to get buy-in for what the team dev team should focus on if changing the paint of the app is more important to some folks than changing the back-end database? Yeah, the, um, the good news, the good news, bad news on that is that the, the CEO is also the, the person who talks to our clients the most. Mm -hmm. Um, so she's well aware of when there are performance issues. Um, she's, she's well aware of, even if a client isn't complaining, we've got our Slack, we've got, you know, message logging going on in Slack 
for various Heroku errors and things like that. She sees those. What can we do to fix them? And a lot of the answer has been, it's a load thing. There's that we can, we can turn up the, the dials on these things. Um, but it's a load thing. So she understands uh, that. And and so it wasn't a hard sell. Um, The only, the only thing was that the only question that really came up was what's it going to cost? And initially we were hoping the cost would be, the cost increase would be minimal. It turned out we, we missed some, um, some duplication costs that, uh, that, that came up. Um, but in the end, it, again, because we'd been talking about the concept for so long, and that's where I was trying to get to, we'd, we'd been talking about it for so long that when we went to actually doing it, it was time to go. So um, I've started to do the same with the, the other two topics I was talking about, about the, the marketing design, uh, the marketing site redesign and the application redesign Mm. is we've had conversations around that and I'll continue to have conversations. I don't think that's something we're going to do immediately. Um, but in 2020, could we look at doing it? Yeah. So I'm starting to have those conversations now so that everybody's on board when we actually go and do it. So how amongst all of the stuff that you have going on, you have a Trello board or a GitHub issue queue or Jira play this stuff how do you keep the the bigger goals of the year at top of mind versus just kind of mixed in with everything else how do you because you said right now you're you're starting to bring up these projects so that they get more buy-in later but once you start on them if you're right like once you got the database thing going how do you keep it at top of mind so that the entire team understands, Hey, we're devoting a lot of time and resources to this big initiative, the big goal of 2018, 2019. How, what do you do about that? How do you keep that up front? You've been listening into our calls (laughs) (laughs) because, because we've stalled a little on it. Um, We got the initial, so, so your, your question is really prescient. We got a, um, we, we started on it. We got it to where we, we were able to make it through fall. Great. So we, we did the initial split. And now that we've reached that, that plateau of it got us through fall. Um, we're now in the stance of, of there's a lot of things going on there. There's some, um, there's some re-architecting going on. There's a lot of migrations that have to happen of the data. Um, and these things take time and Mm -hmm. you can't do them in the middle of the business day. So they get spread out over weekends. They get pushed to Fridays. They get, you know, they get pushed at various places and then you, you run into, well, not available this weekend. Got to do it another. And, and those things tend to elongate and then other business priorities start to work their way in. Um, so that, that whole initiative has slowed down because we made it past the initial, um, fear point. Yeah. So, but we're, that means we're kind of in this in between state of, we made a change and that was the right direction we wanted to go. 
and it got us through, but we didn't finish. So we're kind of in this state of, we could leave it here, but it's now, it's now in this place where, um, if we leave it as is, we're going to run into the same issues eventually anyway, because we didn't complete the, the, the work. So, um, my only, my only statement is you have to keep the momentum up. And if you don't keep the momentum up, exactly what you described happens. Um, other priorities work their way in and other priorities are always going to work their way in because, Client facing stuff is always going to work its way to the front of our infrastructure stuff. Um, but the, I don't even think that's necessarily the case here. I think we lost momentum. Um, and then we lost momentum after the, uh, you know, over the holidays. Mm-hmm. And it, you lose all that momentum, it all goes away. And it's hard to get everybody back focused again. And that's actually something we talked about this, this Monday was we need to start getting focused on what we're going to complete. Um, we even got a little off track on our sprints. We were just working on stuff instead of sprinting through them. Um, so Monday I said, okay, Friday, today, I want everybody to go through the the backlog and start thinking about it so that on Monday when we have our call, we can estimate, we can assign it, we can figure out what we're getting done the next sprint because we're going to go back to that schedule. So um, so now the there is a, the, the other... As a, I think this has to do with anyone in a in a position of delegation and management or a parent. When you set initiatives and you allow them to fade out, the next initiative you try to enforce or promote or start will have less weight on the team because the, they remember the previous one that faded out without a, without a, a, any kind of acknowledgement, like. If you start an initiative and there is, and there could be a good reason why you're not going to do it. It's kind of imperative to you to say, I am, I am as the manager, I am recognizing we are not going to do this. We have made a change. Change is acceptable to people, but if you let it fade out without a comment, people remember the next time you come up with some big initiative or big goal. And they're like, when is this one going to fade? And I and I've always felt that way when I worked for people that would some come in and say, "We're making a change. We're doing a project. We're going to do blah blah blah." And I would the first time everyone started working really hard, and then as it started to fade, the manager who was really the owner of it didn't reinforce it, didn't keep it going. The project faded. We never heard another thing about it it makes it really hard the next time for you to come in and go big initiative time. And they're like, yeah, we've heard the story before. So I think it's really important. It's really important to not let initiative fade. Like it's not important to make every initiative complete. There are lots of reasons why initiatives and projects may need to stop, change, pivot, what have you. But it is extremely important for management to acknowledge those changes and endings and explain why and just say that, hey, we're going to come up with more initiatives and they are still equally as important. But every boss I've ever worked for where they let it fade, no one on the team took the next one seriously. 
And it was a really big deal to that person because everyone kind of gave their initiatives kind of half-assed recognition at that point going forward. So the fact that you did an initiative around the databases and you got it done is actually helpful for the fact that you want to do another one, but you're always at, you're always at a risk for doing that kind of thing. Yeah. And, and to be honest, we haven't gotten it done. So we, we, but we haven't stopped either. So we'd lost momentum. So when we finish, it'll be a positive thing for future initiatives. Um, but it's also a learning opportunity that we lost momentum. We can't lose momentum in the future and, and go from there. Yeah. So, so yeah, I just wanted to bring this up. Talk beginning of the year. Want to talk about long term planning um, and some of the challenges that come up when you do so. Um, I think this was good. Um, now I gotta now I gotta go figure out how to have those conversations about the various designs. Yeah. And I mean, it's you're always balancing what you. I mean. As a new homeowner, I have lots of goals for this house we moved into. And what I've realized is like, there's going to be some projects that are going to linger for a year. And there's other ones like yesterday, we had a plumber out to fix a drain that wasn't working immediately. Just like that, just like a home, you have a business and you have to figure out what, which holes in the dam can keep leaking for a while and which ones need a big plug and, and then at some point you say, we got to replace this whole freaking dam. And it's, you're always going to be in that boat. That's the, that's the job of a CTO as a technology leader, as a product manager is making those choices. So I, I feel like if your goal is to, to get all those goals completed, then you're aiming the wrong way. It's balancing all the goals all the time and thinking about long-term versus short. Yeah, yeah it, it is, it is. And it's something we all, we all have to deal with. So, all right, well, thanks. And, uh, and we will, uh, we'll talk again next time. Sounds good. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening to the CTO think podcast. Show notes and previous episodes can be found on our website at ctothink.com. Reviews on Apple iTunes are always appreciated and help promote the show. Patreon contributions help us to produce episode transcripts, which allow people that are deaf or hard of hearing to access the show. If you have feedback, ideas, or want to be a guest, please email us at hello at ctothink.com. Show music is Dumpster Dive by Mark Wallach, licensed by premiumbeat.com. Voiceover work by meganvoices.com. You'll hear from us next week. We'll be right back.